This is the Church Planting Podcast, brought to you by the Broadcast Network. Broadcast exists to support, train and encourage church planters. For more information about who we are or about the training that we offer, please visit our website at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org. Hello and welcome to episode 118 of the Broadcast Church Planting Podcast. At a recent training day, Tom O'Toole taught about the devotional life of a leader. And in this episode of the podcast, we're bringing you the recording of that session. You can find the full notes on everything that Tom said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 118. So here is Tom O'Toole. Uh, in terms of having a relationship with the Father, and this is what we were just touching on, there are two aspects to it that are both crucial. Now, um, forensically, we are brought into the presence of God by Jesus, by the Gospel. We read the 1 Peter 3 verse earlier, and we have been brought to God. There's also the experiencing of that. So I just quoted James 4. Let me read another one. Hebrews 10 verses 19 to 22. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great uh, priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith. So saying because of the gospel, because Jesus has made a way, because Jesus has opened this relationship, Let us draw near. Let us avail ourselves of that relationship. Let ourselves go to the Father. Let us, uh, you could say it this way, let us position ourselves for his presence. Uh, In this section, really, what I want to do is ask some questions, share some things I've been learning, but the spirit isn't kind of um, to make us feel like our our devotional lives are not enough, because I'm aware that when I've heard people challenge me on my devotional life, it's like wherever it was at, it wouldn't be enough. It can always be higher, it can always be better, it can always be more. Uh, I get that. I also think God's pretty pleased by what we do and that kind of we, we do come into his presence and we do um, devote ourselves to him and read his word and pray. And I think he loves our obedience. So uh, I'm not trying to make us think, oh, uh, I'm not living up to anything. I'm just really trying to kind of maybe just provoke a bit and help us to grow uh, in the next steps. But I've got a couple more questions for you uh, to discuss. Um, Let's get them up. Yeah, so maybe if, you, if you're happy to, just share a little bit about what your own devotional life looks like. What, what do you do in your devotional life? How often do you do it? Uh, more of a subjective one, but how would you describe the fervency and intimacy of what you're bringing to the table and of what you're experiencing? And then um, what do you think it would take to kind of up the temperature a notch from wherever it's at to uh, wherever you would like it to be? Let's just take a couple of minutes thinking about that. Now, I'm not going to take your answers on this one. I think that would be um, a little bit unfair. But I'm going to set you on to another follow-up question now, if that's okay. Um, You'll need to get your Bibles out for this one. Um, I've put a few verses at the top in red. I think you can just about make them out, but um, if not, just ask me and I'll share them. There's a bunch of verses that I've picked out that show Jesus' devotional life, Jesus' prayer life, and there's a bunch of questions to think about. So uh, what I would like you to do, I'll give you five minutes or so for this, read all those verses and then just think about, well, when did Jesus pray? How long did he pray for? Where did he pray? What did he pray about? Who did he pray? Just try and get a 
bit of a picture of what his devotional life looked like. Okay, I, I think that's been a while. You might not quite have got through all the references, but uh, I think it's enough time to build up a picture. And there are different observations that you might have made, and there's a lot of valid things to say. As I've studied the prayer life of Jesus, what I've noticed is he was praying at times that uh, were kind of extra to what everyone else was doing. So one of the references was he went out early in the morning when everyone was still asleep. And another of them was everyone went to their own house and Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. It's like they're all done. The day's finished. They're going to bed. He's going to pray. And um, there's one he was praying all night and as I've been thinking about my own ministry and my own leadership it's so easy to get caught into the pattern of well I go to work at this time I finish at this time I'll, I'll do some prayer during it but there seems to be something in Jesus that's like prayer is the bit I need to eke out every bit of prayer I can actually I'll do a bit when when they're sleeping that's fine I'll get up early and do it I need a whole night for this one there's a big decision to make I need some wisdom from the father I'm going to pray and it seems so such a kind of like the extra ingredient I mean if you look Jesus would teach and there'd be other people in those times who would teach also Jesus would eat with people there'd be other people who can eat with people but it seems like he was going to prayer at the time that nobody else would do things it's like a bit extra and I wonder how uh, how much that fueled everything I, I wouldn't be surprised to to find out it was fundamental I mean we see in John's gospel he did only what he heard from the father when was he hearing it from the father during the time that he's taking a side with the father uh, and, and you see this kind of pattern uh, replicated later in the bible so it acts when uh, when peter's in prison uh, and then god gets him out of prison it, it's late it's the middle of the night and he's going to the house and they're all busy praying they've followed this model of jesus and it's just a challenge that god's been laying on me i'd like to kind of uh, share the burden with you if i can um, actually well, uh, are there times that we're praying that everyone else is asleep other times that we're praying that nobody else would think praying now are we taking it as an extra thing um, I've got another exercise for you this is another one that um, is a bit of a kind of challenge God's put on me and again I'm going to share the burden you're welcome uh, what, what I would like you to do is think of the ministry that you're leading or if, if you're not leading a ministry a ministry that you're kind of involved in serving and I would like you to just write a list of all the things that you would like to see happen in it. So things that you need, things that you want, things that you hope for, things that you dream of. Okay, just write a little list there, if, if that's okay. I'd like to do a second list, if that's okay. Uh, and on this second list, I'd, write, I'd like you to write down anything to do with this same ministry that we're referring to that you've specifically asked God for in prayer in the last two weeks let's say so over the last 14 days what have you specifically asked God for in prayer for this ministry and then the verse that I felt particularly kind of challenged by recently was James chapter 4 verse 2 you may know it and I'll just read the last half of it and it says this you do not have because you do not ask uh, and I was thinking for me if, if I was to write those two lists and, and notice the difference how many things would there be on the first list that I'd say I need this I want this I'd love it if this happened and I haven't asked uh, and that's quite a kind of throwing down the gauntlet of this well you don't have is it because I haven't asked which of those things would I now have if I'd have got around 
to praying for it. Again, it's challenging me, and I'm just here to kind of prod a bit and provoke a bit and stir some stuff up, um, hopefully in you uh, as well. Um, a few weeks ago in the, um, in the site that I'm leading, we were kind of planning, we were ready to go, we were off the ground, we'd had two weeks, and I had um, a, a guy with me who was leading all our, our music, which was great because I, I can't sing, I can't play guitar, and it helps to have music. So this guy was there, and it was brilliant. And then after two weeks, he said, you know what, this isn't for me. And he, he kind of walked out on us. And I was like, this is terrible. I was a kind of emotional wreck. Well, how do we go forward from here? We've, we've launched, you know. I thought this ingredient was in place. And thankfully, kind of God had put this challenge to me about prayer and asking. So I, I said, right, I'm going to do it. I'm going to pray. And I'm going to ask God. We need somebody uh, to take over this. And within 24 hours, there was a guy called Johnny who called up um, Alistair, who's my right-hand man. And he said, I'm with you. I'd quite like to get involved leading some worship, if that's all right. Um, and it's amazing because instantaneously I saw the answer to prayer. I, I track back through all the wins we've had. Uh, and all of them, I can remember a moment that I kind of got desperate and I started praying about it. Uh, and then it happened. And uh, just the testimony, it kind of makes me feel like a bit of an idiot, if I'm honest. Because I'm like, well, that's obvious. Why didn't I pray about all this other stuff that I want uh, as well? But, um, yeah, I've recently been thinking about Exodus chapter 17. You might know the story. Israel is at war with Amalek. And uh, Joshua is leading an army down in the valley below and Moses is up on the hill and he's he's praying he's holding out his staff to God and he's got uh, his friends beside him holding up his hands in prayer and as his hands uh, are up they're winning and then when he drops his hands they start losing isn't that an illustration of the power that prayer has to change things isn't that incredible to think as the prayer drops they're losing and then the prayer and they're winning and again it's something that's stirring me uh, praying big prayers uh, has been challenged I was in I think it might have been this very room. About seven years ago, there was an event that... Um, sorry. Okay, it's not this room then. It was here, it was at Platt. It, 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 it was at Platt, and um, Steve Timmis had gathered some church leaders from Manchester. He kind of drew a map of the city and was looking at different areas, and he ran some numbers, and uh, he was saying, kind of, I think he worked out about four million people were in kind of a region with Manchester and some other places around, and said, well, let's think about 10% of those people coming to know the Lord. That's 400,000 people. For some reason, that number has stuck in my head, and I've been praying, God, let's see 400,000 people in our city get saved. I feel a bit foolish praying it out loud sometimes. I'll be in a, in a prayer meeting, and I'll pray for, like, like, let's have 400 people. And it feels realistic. It feels like it's socially acceptable to pray for 400 and not for 400,000 somehow. Um, John Newton had the phrase large asking, and he told a story about uh, Alexander the Great, who he wanted to marry this woman, and her dad could ask for a bride price for her. And he came up with a number that was ridiculously large. It'd be like, um, I don't know, a billion pounds. And his treasurer was like, no, don't give him that. You can negotiate him down. Let's come up with some kind of normal amount for this kind of thing. And Alexander said, no, let him have it all. I like this fellow. He does me honor. He treats me like a king. And he proves by what he asks that he believes me to be both rich and generous. In other words, he, he thinks that I can, 
and he thinks that I will, and so he honors me. And there's something in the way we come to God. If we realize that God wants to act, he wants to answer prayer, he wants to build his kingdom, he wants to bless us, and he can, he's powerful, he's mighty to save, he's able. Phillips Brooks said, pray the largest prayers. You cannot think of a prayer so large that God, in answering it, will not wish you had made it larger. Pray not for crutches, but for wings. I was in church this morning, and the guy who was preaching uh, was preaching on the story of Gideon. And he he was telling us how Gideon had kind of managed to recruit this army of uh, 30,000 people, it was. And um, God said to him, no, it's too many. It's too many. We're not going into battle with 30,000 people. Ask them who's scared, and the ones who are scared can leave. So uh, a whole bunch of them left. There was about 10,000 left. And God was looking, still too many. Still too many. Get them to kind of go to the river and see how they drink the water. And anyone who laps it like a dog has to go. And there was only 300 of them left. But the rationale from God doing this is, look, if you go into battle with 10,000 people and you win, you'll think you did it. You'll think it was your strength. You'll think it was your own might. But if you go with 300 and you see the victory, you'll know it was the Lord and he will get the glory. I've been challenged a lot about praying for the impossible. Sometimes I try and make the Christian life easy. I'll try and teach it step by step. Do this, do this, do this. And then you're living as a Christian. And there are are helpful elements to it. But sometimes you need to say to people, actually, living as a Christian is impossible. Crucifying your own flesh by your power, it is impossible. Leading someone else to the Lord by your own power, it is impossible. We're trying to do things that we can't do. And so unless God's real and active, then nothing will happen. So we need to pray, don't we? Also, though, as well as praying for the big impossible, let's pray for the specific, the small, the details, the things that we need. In the Lord's Prayer, uh, Jesus said, pray thy kingdom come. And he said, give us this day our daily bread. It's the big and it's the small, the macro and the micro. Also, pray imperfect prayers. You know, if you've got to the point where you've processed something so much that all your prayers are kind of well-articulated, theologically correct, emotionally balanced, uh, you, you probably have gone to prayer a bit too late. Pray out of weakness. Pray out of desperation. Pray through the tears. Bring raw emotion. Sometimes bring theological imprecision. Don't do it on purpose, but, <laughs> but, but pray before you've got your head around what's going on and let it out. Also, pray pray the prayer of faith. Let the Spirit stir up faith for certain things and pray for it. And then lastly, I'd say on it, expect to hear from God in prayer. God is a God who speaks. Jesus only did what he heard the Father saying. In John 10, 29, um, Jesus says, my sheep know my voice. Now, when you feel like you've heard from God in prayer, you need to weigh it. Scripture is primary. And yet we would expect God to uh, share encouragements, to to comfort us, to uh, occasionally maybe guide us in specific ways that then we can bring to our community and way. So let's live and pray like God is living, active and running the show. And that's kind of like our second bit done, which was about our own prayer lives. Um, I want to, I'll take questions on this bit and then I've got a list of questions to ask you just to provoke you a bit. Uh, Again, no spirit of condemnation behind them at all, but hopefully they will stir us up. Do you feel like in your own devotional life, your soul is getting fed? Do you feel like a spiritual thirst is being quenched in your own time with the Lord? Do you have a spiritual life that doesn't simply revolve around the ministry that you're leading? How good a model would you say your own devotional life would form for those who you are leading? 
Are there times when everybody else is asleep and you're praying? When was the last time you fasted? Can you give examples of things that you've done differently because you grasped the Father's will in prayer? Do you pray in tongues? And if you don't have the gift of tongues, have you ever asked God for that gift? Do you prayer walk the streets that you're trying to reach? Do you use your body in your personal devotion? When was the last time you fell on your knees before the Lord, fell on your face? When did you laugh with joy at his goodness? When did you last jump up and down and shout in celebration of his grace? When did you last weep for the lost? Can you see a growth in the passion and intimacy of your devotional life over the last year? What recent testimonies do you have of prayers being answered? Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode. And just to remind you, you can find the full notes on everything that was said at www.thebroadcastnetwork.org slash episode 118. See you next time.